we've got a treat for you on this Halloween episode of Sega Talk. As we venture into the House of the Dead for a third time, travel to the post-apocalyptic future of 2019 to learn about failed plans for a Dreamcast release, scrapped cel-shaded graphics, and a crazy contest where a lucky winner becomes a zombie within the game. All this and more on a super spooky Sega Talk. Sagabits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Look, it's a giant talking egg. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the master here. So what? Hello and welcome to an all new super spooky Sega Talk. I'm Agent B and with me is my co-host what's Nick what's your name gonna be G I have the G. I have the blue dress shirt I don't have the orange tie he wears in this game but uh maybe one day I'll buy an orange tie I'm not gonna wear the glasses either I'm gonna take them off just the intro because how about how about Agent Rogan <laughs> Agent Rogan works ru- but then it's like too close to Joe Rogan and I have to shave my head yeah and start lifting weights. he kind of ruined that name didn't he yeah, mm. it kind of did. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah. You're definitely not going to get that podcast here. Um, no, we're not going to. I'm just asking questions, George. Um, so I don't know, are that's what I always really think. bad guys? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've hung out with them. They seem pretty cool. Like they seem pretty cool with me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but so uh, this is a very special episode. For one thing, we're dressed up. We never dress up. For two things, this is kind of wild. So we we try to do a House of the Dead episode around every Halloween. And because of that, we actually get through this franchise pretty quickly. Like we're on the third game. And mm-hmm. I feel like outside of Sonic, this is the, the franchise we've covered the most on this show. Are you surprised though? Um, no, because they're really easy to do. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's not like we're going through RPGs and like going, all right, disc four, hour 30, you meet a old man who gives you a key. You know, like this one's like, there's four stages, two people, game lasts 30 minutes. But it's also special because I picked this and then I was doing the research and I was like, holy shit, this episode will have a live release on Friday which is the 29th of October, which is actually the 19th anniversary of this game's release to the Xbox. And it gets even crazier because after I completed the notes today and I was like ready to jump on with you, I was checking Facebook and it turns out Galloping Ghost Arcade uh, out here in the Chicago area announced their Monday, Monday mystery game. They do a new game every Monday. And guess what game it is? House of the Dead 3. Yeah. yeah. Isn't, that, isn't that wild? <laughs> yeah. So, like, right now, there are people playing House of the Dead 3 within, like, 10 minutes of me, which is kind of funny because I really could have used that for the research for this episode because, I mean, and we'll get into it. These This game has been ported. I'm holding up here, if you're not looking at the video, uh, the Xbox version and the Wii version. There's also a digital PS3 version. Um, this is not a difficult game to miss out on. And so as I get into the notes here... I'm going to take my sunglasses off. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you got to watch this video because you're really missing out on some primo costuming from both uh, Agent G and, and Joe Rogan here. Yeah. Um, 
But before we get into it, you guys can check us out on Patreon. You can support us at any tier. Uh, it gives you perks no matter what. At lowest tier, you still get to share your memories at the end. Highest tiers, you get to tell us what to talk about, which is really exciting for us because you sometimes throw us things that we don't even dream of talking about, you know. Um, I'm waiting for that Hatsune Miku episode that's just going to throw us through a loop. Um, but this time we're talking about the House of the Dead 3. Uh, obviously, it's the third entry in Sega's House of the Dead franchise, and it's a direct sequel to the second game, but it takes a lot more time tying in with the first game, and we'll get to that. It was developed by WoW Entertainment, WoW, and the game debuted to Japanese arcades in 2002 and Western arcades in 2003, with an Xbox port released almost simultaneously on October 29th, 2002 in America, January 30th, 2003 in Japan, and March 14th, 2003 in Europe. Uh, this would make the game exactly 19 years old, as I mentioned. As of the public release of this episode, the game was later ported to Windows PC, Wii, PlayStation 3, and probably, you know, something else. Uh, but it makes it one of the more readily available House of the Dead games. So, George, what are your memories of House of the Dead 3? So my memories with House of the Dead 3 was kind of like I really, really, really enjoyed House of the Dead 2. I think I would say House of the Dead 2 is probably my favorite House of the Dead game out of all of them. And um, Interesting. Yeah, I, I just think it's because of the gore factor in 2 really kind of like blew my mind. The fact that you could shoot corpses and see holes through them. And like uh, even if it was censored, it was pretty <laughs> brutal seeing those holes and these corpses still right. running at you. Uh, that kind of really right. left a big impression in my mind. It also, it running on Dreamcast hardware really kind of blew my mind when it came out. For 3, I kind of like skipped it, and then I played it later when they re-released it. I never played it on the actual Xbox. And all I remember was that they kind of toned down the gore. This one, And then you also had like a shotgun, I would assume. So it was yep. like they tried to shotgun. change it up a bit. I, I still appreciate the game. I just don't appreciate it or like it. To the level that you know, I had with uh, House of the Dead two. I I'm wondering what most people's favorite House of the Dead is, but I've never. This is something I never really talked with anybody. But me, it's two, three's cool, but there's something about two that just like kind of perfected it for me. But uh, what about you? Um, well, as far as my memories of House of the Dead three, I bought the uh xbox version before playing any other version i believe and i never owned an xbox light gun and i was going to actually buy one for this episode but it was just a matter of me probably not getting it in time and also i feel like i mean they're 30 bucks but i was just kind of like do i really want to drop 30 bucks on a light gun that may or may not arrive on time um so right now i'm kind of waiting out to find the light gun um for the xbox but in the meantime i have later picked up House of the Dead 2 and 3 return for the Wii, and that's actually why I bought the uh, Duo Shot accessory that I'm holding here that holds a Wiimote. I also oh, used yeah. it for Overkill. Um, and it's good. You know, it's, I mean, all of the Wii accessories are kind of tacky because they're really just plastic things that hold the Wiimote, but I yeah. think this was one of the rare ones that works really well. I, I believe there's an official one. But this one looks like a handgun, which just is a lot more fitting for a House of the Dead game. Um, but as, as far as the game itself, I don't have a strong memory of it. I've played it in arcades. Like you mentioned, the shotgun accessory really makes it kind of unique amongst all the House of the Dead games. 
One thing I really like though is you can do that single-handed like that, oh, yeah. you know, like um, Terminator which two. is really satisfying. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um and it's almost kind of like LA machine guns. Uh if you've ever played that in arcades where it's really Very the gun kind of makes the game. And when you're at home, you know, you're just using the handgun. They didn't really make a shotgun accessory, which would have been super expensive, but I think super cool. Um, oh, yeah. It would have been As sick. far as, as ranking the games, like, I feel like one is kind of bottom for me just because it's so Check. old and yeah. kind of j- janky. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to the remake of that. Uh even more so than the Panzer Dragoon um, uh, remake. Remake, yeah. just yeah, just because like Panzer Dra- Dragoon remake um, is a remake of a game that I think plays perfectly well, and I think the remakes, you know, it's fine, but it's the same game. But oh, yeah. with House of the Dead, the original one, it just it feels like it needs to be elevated a little bit. Now. My overall complaint about the House of the Dead franchise is a lot of it is either locked behind digital-only releases or are arcade exclusives. Mm. Like, I sat down and looked at the House of the Dead games I, like, own physically, and it's a Japanese import of one, uh, Dreamcast version of two, uh, these two releases, and then Overkill. But that's, like, it. There's no four physical release. There's no Scarlet Dawn. Um, what, I there's mean, no, you did talk a little bit about you using the Wiimote, uh, and that was kind of like a, um, like a resurrection for light gun games, but the, right. and you played it both in arcade and you played it at mm-hmm. home. Do you really think that mm-hmm. the, that the Wii precision is as good like as an arcade? I'm not, I'm not even talking about the, like the functionality of a shotgun, you know, I'm just saying like the pointing right. and shooting, like I always felt it was I, a little off. So I don't know about you. It's a little off, but it's a lot closer than you're going to get with most other accessories. Now, I know the PlayStation Move for the PS3 release is great, but it's also really expensive, in my opinion, and yeah, um, at least at the time it was. And now, like, the games are locked behind a digital wall. I don't believe... You can correct me if I'm wrong, but did Overkill for PS3 ever get a physical release? No, none of them did. You have to buy them digitally. I have them digitally, and... Uh... I, I mean, I, I I don't like the whole, like, it's only digital. I wish Sega would, like, team right. up with someone like, I don't know, Limited Run Games or Strictly Limited. All these little boutique shops that they're opening up right now. And just offer up right. a actual physical PS3 disc for one time only, you know, 1,000 units, whatever. So we could hold on to it and show it off on stream. like like Right, or elevate the whole franchise to physical. Like, we're... we're and and re-releases because I feel like you got all the Yakuza games there. They're doing these little like quasi Switch uh, exclusive, but then they go to PS3 or PS4. I mean um, remakes, but it's just like just go all out. It's the House of the Dead franchise. So many of them have been unplayed by players, and we'll get into the plot very soon here. But it's a very plot-heavy franchise, and it seems like almost a waste of time on the developers' part to make these super interconnected games. That few people have actually played all of. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually the weird part that you. There's an actual continuing storyline and all that, and like, when you play Virtual Cop, are you really playing it for the story? Are you just trying to kill bad guys? That you know. Right. Exactly. And so let's let's actually let's dive into um, the cast first. Um, 
I, I did note that it's almost like all white people, but I feel like G might be Asian. I could be wrong. I've is always he, wondered, is he, is he white? Weird. Is he Asian? He always, I just think yeah. it's weird that like all these Japanese games always feature these people that you think are like Hispanic or something like Bleach the cartoon, right? There was a character that came right. up on like some meme video where they're saying Chad, his name is Chad from Bleach. I don't know if, if you, mm-hmm. if people are listening and they watch it, they know. I thought the character was Mexican, right? And then I, and then somebody said he was black in the video, and then I looked it up, and he's Japanese. So there you go. It's weird. <sighs> well, let's let's look at our first our first person. Let's decide on let's let's name their race. That's the new game. Um, so this is Lisa Rogan. Mm, are they and in the, in the, Lisa, she's. Are they in the in the pictures? Yeah, in the picture folder. Okay, I got it now. All right, go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Lisa here, um, she is the daughter of Thomas Rogan and Sophie Richards, who fans may remember from the first game. Uh, she lost contact with her father, and so she partners up with G to find him. And she's got a pretty sweet outfit, but it's very off from just about every House of the Dead game so far. I was you gonna, know, like sleeveless. Yeah. I was going to dress like her, but I can't go sleeveless. That's ridiculous. I don't have the arms for it, you know? So... <laughs> But right. it's, it's a sick outfit. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. And you can see that shotgun there, which they obviously all, all carry around. Uh, next character here, we have G, who's, mm. you know, franchise star. His codename is Silverfang. And he is a oh, retired yeah. AMS agent by the time of House of the Dead 3. Little is revealed of G in 3, but it is nice to see him out of retirement and looking for his former partner. I like his And then look. we have... What do you think of... T- so look at Thomas Rogan. Like, what the hell happened there? This is like Chris Redfield wannabe, but like dadcore with the cool cargo pants and uh, the brown jacket. The Rio Hazuki jacket. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's got like this little piggy nose. He's like... <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. He looks like a Shenmue NPC, doesn't he? Like a white oh, guy? I don't, like the dock workers. Like, like the guys who are like... I don't know. Get get the hell out of my face, schoolboy. Doesn't he look like that? Or like if they ever had like a Shimmyu scene where like it's House it's Shaun of the Dead where they meet their twins. This would be his American twin that's dating <laughs> Nozomi in Canada. Exactly. And Thomas, as many fans may know, he's like the Tales to G's Sonic. Mm. Uh, he's a fellow agent, AMS agent, former in this game. His name is Eager Eagle. <laughs> um. His code name. And yeah. in three, he is retired. He's 52 years old, and he has a 20-year-old daughter. His wife, Sophie, is unseen throughout the game, uh, but she is alive, and she's just waiting for her family to return to her. Um, so what do you think about bringing the daughter of the two main characters from the first game like into the series and making her basically the main player? It's... I think this is something that a lot of like studios kind of want to do, you know, as time goes on, you know, uh, kind of hand off the torch. Mm. I, you see this a lot with superheroes right. right now. Like, you know, there's the whole Superman buy thing right now, his son taking up the mantle. And so mm. it's like, it's just something that like companies always try to do and they never stick with it. As you could see the future games, she's back. So I guess they did kind of stick with it. And I, I kind of like right. it. I like the whole new generation because it really makes it seem like time's passed. And, I mean, there is going to have to be a time where these characters uh, were going to pass the mantle on to their children, right? Like, you can't have 87-year-old G shooting zombies, can you? 
Would you like to be doing that with a wheelchair? <laughs> no, but I, I do think it's kind of cool. So yeah, let's just briefly touch on the plot. Like I'm, I'm just going off of memory here. I don't have it in my in my notes. But the first game was G and Rogan. The mm-hmm. second game was a different, completely different pair of agents who were looking for Rogan, right? Yeah. Like he was and missing, G, and right? then G, like yeah, or, or something, or something like that, and then G. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't play as G and Rogan. So in in this one now, you're back to playing as G, but then the Rogan is actually his daughter. And that's very like Streets of Rage too, you know, where Skate comes in. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's such a trope to have like the the son or the the daughter or the, the cousin or the brother or the sister come in. And I think it works here. I think it's cool. I actually... The thing I really like about House of the Dead 3 is that it's a much more of a direct sequel to the first game because it does not deal with the villain of the second game who's like the beneficiary of the villain in the first and the third game. Um, also, if we're looking ahead to the fourth game, I I think you might have mentioned that Lisa like comes back later. She actually doesn't. There's like doesn't? another woman. I thought that she no. was the blonde girl in five. I must have, or Scarlet Dawn. That's what I assumed. That's why, but that's what gets so confusing. And we'll get into the plot okay. here very quickly. But yeah, the, the second, so the third, God, it gets so confusing. The fourth <laughs> game has James Taylor and yeah. Kate Green. Yeah. And she's the one that returns Kate for Green. five, right? That's right. Okay. But what's confusing here, unless I think we should just dive into the, the, the plot. The House of the Dead 3 is actually set in a post-apocalyptic 2019. And remember, this game came out in 2002. So it's a future, but it's not a distant future. It's like when Marty McFly went to the year, you know, uh, what was it, 2012 or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's not that far out. Um, but it, but what's, what's... It, it almost guessed you're right, though. We are almost are in a post-apocalyptic world. <laughs> I get well. What I find so funny about all these games is like the the first one was a few years out, so it was 1998, and I think the game came out in '96. The second one was like 2000, I think, and it came out what in like nine. I don't know, but it's always like moving the timeline a little forward. The third game though jumps to 2019, but then the fourth and the fifth game take place before 2019. That so it's almost confusing. like this is this is the end of the game, the whole franchise. It's the like, whole franchise leads to a... Right. Yeah. It's like a Street Fighter but, thing, where it's like one and two are like together, and yeah. then three is the future, and then four and five are like be- before three. So it's like, what? Okay. But, and so, so the plot here is Agent Rogan, he's leading a team of military commandos on a raid of an EFI research facility, which is the source of the apocalypse. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. the raid is a failure. Rogan and his team, Captain... Uh, Rogan survives. His team captain, Dan Taylor, is the last one to survive alongside him before he's killed uh, by this creature named Death, who is basically a giant undead security guard. Um, Death kills Taylor. He injures Rogan. And then Rogan's approached by an unknown figure. and, uh, And then all contact is lost. And so two weeks passed, and on Halloween of all days, Rogan's 20-year-old daughter, Lisa, and his former partner, G, arrive back at the facility to search for Rogan. And so the game really kicks off with chapter one here. You get a little, like, prequel chapter, um, and it sees the pair battling 
bioengineered creatures. Remember, these aren't zombies. They're like bioengineered. Um, as well as boss enemies, which include death, a deformed sloth named the Fool, and a mutant plant named Sun. And we'll, we'll go through the enemies soon. They're pretty wild. Um, there's also flashbacks to the original House of the Dead, which is really helpful if you've never played the previous games, but also probably kind of confusing. Um, and these feature Dr. Kirian trying to cure his terminally ill son named Daniel. Uh, his efforts are a success. He does cure his son, but then he goes crazy and he creates the magician who's the enemy in the first and second game, I believe. And then he also creates an enemy called the Wheel of Fate, um, which in his words will change the future. Um, and then spoiler alert, Lisa and G, they find Rogan. It's revealed that the mystery man was actually Daniel Curian himself, the son of the villain from the first game. Um, who saved Rogan from death, the capital D death, Yeah, the security guard. Um, Daniel joins the team, and then he and Lisa, so in the last uh, act, you actually take control of Daniel and Lisa. G steps aside, and you go after Wheel of Fate, which is uh, revealed to be Dr. Curian, who was prematurely woken up by Daniel in a like revival, like weird sort of technique. Um and Curian admits to orchestrating the apocalypse. He says, I think he talks about how like the earth's overpopulated. So he wants to start over again. Um, and then he begs Daniel for forgiveness. Daniel refuses. And then he kills his father with Lisa's help. And like, that's the end of the franchise right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, I mean, Daniel is the hero of the story. I mean, let's be honest. There's just a lot of people. I mean, he would solve global warming like that. Like that. Right. So why are we rooting? Why are we playing? So we're playing as villains killing heroes. So we're technically the but bad is, guys in the I mean, series. Is he a villain though? Because Daniel, he was cured by his dad and then his dad like went crazy and ran away. So Daniel didn't do anything wrong. Oh, okay, well, okay, okay. Sorry, we'll sorry. I'm thinking that. about the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but, but Daniel at least kills his dad who yeah. was the one who started all of this. So his okay, he okay, wasn't okay. like, oh, Papa. Yeah. Um, um, I think however, the story, I think the story, like, yeah. Oh, are we going to be talking about the story? Or you want to explain something? Sorry. Well, this is this is important because if we're going to talk about the story, we need okay. to talk about the true endings. Go, so the go. game, like many other House of the Dead games, has multiple endings. So if you want to bring up the first picture here, it's just a screen grab. It's it's the mm -hmm. characters walking. So Wait, if you the beat the game with, the with three or more, no, the or one with the... him just like walking with her. Okay, got you. I got you. Is yeah, it yeah. The, the one with the um, her? What's her name in the background? Yeah, she's in the background. Yeah, so uh, if you beat the game with three or more credits used, Daniel says goodbye to his father, and then he swears to return if evil resurfaces. I mean, kind of boring. So that's the one if you play the game through but die a lot, basically. Mm. If you beat the game under three credits and you there's a branching system, which we'll talk about also, and you choose information systems department as the last branching path. Um, <laughs> and we can look at crazy Daniel. Daniel goes crazy and loses the will to live. He's basically like, well, how can I go on in a world where I killed my father? What's happening to me? And then he becomes a creature and attacks Lisa. So This is what happened to Panama in the original trilogy? Like, that's a story yeah, he, she just gave up. Like, that's what happens. All right. He does just. That's right. 
Um, the third ending, which is my favorite, which oh, my yeah. personal opinion, this this should be the ending to the entire franchise, is <laughs> if you beat the game in under three credits and you choose the bio lab as your last path, uh, the final <laughs> scene of the basically entire franchise is a is a um, genetically engineered creature stealing Lisa's car and driving off, and Lisa and Daniel chase after it and they shout. Hey, that's my car, you bastards. Say your prayers. <laughs> and it's like, but what I love is you look at it and it's just some like old, like the middle-aged bald dude in a, in a flannel shirt and he's and, just driving away. So at least we confirm that the zombies in House of the Dead can actually drive vehicles. Um, I mean, and they can steal vehicles and they understand and, the idea of de- theft. Like they pick- And here's where I have a, they picked yeah. this this car though. Like they knew this is Lisa's car. I'm stealing this car, yeah. <laughs> and they stole it. It's weird, but yeah, go on. But what what bothers me is that when we had the All Stars racing games, they did give House of the Dead representation, but they chose these two characters from a mini game compilation that was Japan exclusive. Yeah, and their reasoning was these designs were kid friendly, so they would fit with an E rated game. My thing is, just have this guy driving a car. <laughs> I agree. Wouldn't that have been better? Uh, it, or it would have been this car, Lisa driving it maybe, and then he's like in the hood. Right. So when you bump, the exactly. hood goes up and he's just chilling in there waiting for his turn to strike. Something. Missed opportunity. Um, the final one is really interesting. So this last one, if you beat the game in under three credits and you choose the DBR Institute or the EFI Genome Ward, which are different paths on the game's branching path structure, uh, you get a cutscene of an unknown man in a business suit limping into the lab to retrieve Daniel's cure, saying, It appears he, and he's talking about Kyrian, didn't understand its true purpose, and he starts laughing. Yeah, so what's, what's really wild is that this ending actually sets up the villain Thornheart who is the main villain in House of the Dead Scarlet Dawn, which is the game that came out just like a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And he also makes a, an appearance in House of the Dead 4. So there's just like a really weird amount of setup here for games that really don't pay off until years later. But then what also throws me is that this game takes place in 2019. Those games take place about 10 years prior. So why is it that they're using this villain now in games that take place in the past, but then he makes an appearance here. So it's almost like now you know that this guy will not die in the games you're playing because he needs to appear in this game at some point. Yeah, and so it's like, what? And so this is where I'm like, Sega needs to make a House of the Dead 1 through 5 compilation add new cutscenes to like kind of not not they're not plot holes but kind of connect everything a little better because it's almost like if you're playing these three you're like oh cool that's the villain from the fourth game but this is in the future so what (laughs) yeah i have to agree with you and not only that they actually kind of have a chance right now to do this because of vr because like Mm -hmm. these games they kind of remind me of like interactive like carnival rides or like kind of like when you go to disney but you could actually interact with the things that you're looking at. And so to me, it's like VR is just like a no-brainer, especially when you want to be immersed into it. And it's kind of how it feels like when you play those special deluxe cabinets, you know, those big ones that you're in a room, basically, 
where the seat moves. Right. So that would be the closest to get to it at home, and it would be smart, and they could fix all the plot holes and timeline stuff. How awesome would it be if Sega announced a VR collection of House of the Dead 1 through 5 That'd be sick. with new cutscenes, with interconnected stuff so that you could play from 1 through 5 but in chronological order. And then on top of that, it's almost like you mentioned, like a carnival sort of setup. So when you start the game, you're almost in like a ride vehicle. And yeah. so that kind of explains how you're moving through the space. And they could even have like a 3D map screen where I don't know if you've ever played Wacky Races on Dreamcast. I played a bit of it. But yeah, there's a hub. So when you start the game, you're in a central spot. And if you turn your car around, you can see every track in front of you. Uh, and so it's almost like you could do this, but you appear in like this wasteland. And then in front of you is the Kyrian Mansions. That's one. Uh, Paris. That's two. This facility. That's three. Whatever four is, like that mansion, and then five. And you could either pick which one you want to walk into physically, or you could just ride through them all. I think that would be awesome. And I honestly am really surprised that Sega has not done something like that elaborate or even something as small as like a menu screen where it's all five games. Yeah. They're just... For all the times we write news stories where they're like, Sega's working with a Chinese company... Uh, to create a multimedia, uh, remember that? They yeah. wanted to make like movies and TV shows, revive House of the Dead. Yep. To do that, you need to have the games available. And I think they learned that with Sonic the Movie because after Sonic the Movie, game sales went up because people were playing, uh, watching the movie and they're like, oh, let's check out the latest Sonic game. Let's go pick up uh, some of those iOS games that I've been seeing. Like, Honestly, this is the the smartest thing Sega could be doing like as a company right now is to work with these third-party studios to make successful, well-made TV shows and movies based on their properties and at the same time re-release their classic content and create new content to tie in with these releases. They don't I mean the movie could be completely different like Sonic was, but it's just the fact that you're getting the the franchise out there in front of people and you're seeing it in avenues that you typically would not see gaming news like the fact that entertainment tonight is talking about sonic the hedgehog oh yeah it's a big deal oh, you yeah. know um and i could totally see house of the dead doing really well i mean i'm honestly surprised they didn't capitalize on it when how uh the walking dead was big yeah why not or not only that like Capcom is actually like remaking games from the ground up. They're using old assets, you know. They just mm-hmm. did the Resident Evil 4 game. Um, right. And they're doing it for VR, and that's a lot of work because you have to redo a lot of the stuff because it just doesn't work for VR. And mm-hmm. Sega's sitting on a bunch of light gun games that work perfectly for VR, and they do nothing with it. That's crazy to me. Like the virtual cops or anything. Right. And and right now, and I don't mean to to, you know, give shit to Forever Entertainment, but like... I think it's Forever Entertainment. They're doing the remake that's coming out. But it's like, okay, so you're taking this franchise that is worth a lot to you that you want to make movies and TV shows about, apparently. Mm -hmm. Um, And what you're doing is you're giving it to a developer that doesn't really have much uh, experience making light gun games. And it's going to be a timed exclusive for the Nintendo Switch, a console that really isn't known for having accurate light gun 
controls. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> what? Why? Why aren't you throwing this money at a make a make a mid mid tier VR game? Yeah, or like you know, there's companies competing in the VR space. You know, Facebook and Valve—they have a lot of money. I mean, there's something that you should think about, like making it exclusive. And if people are like, right, and if people are like, oh, I don't want to play VR, there can be a non-VR mode yeah. that's totally possible. Res did that. For Res sure. is uh, Res Infinite is a VR game, but it plays without VR. Yeah. <sighs> so, this company. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's let's pull up this gameplay video. You can have it on mute. Uh, I just thought it would be good to have it playing in the background while we talk about the gameplay here. Um, those who played the game should really feel right at home in three. Uh, you know, the camera travels on a preset path. Nothing really innovative there. You're blasting creatures. You're avoiding damage, and you're shooting barrels and other items to reveal bonus items and. Uh, score extra health. However, 3 is unique in that it introduces pump-action shotguns as standard weapons, uh, which makes for a fun two-handed light gun shooter Mm -hmm. at the arcades. Uh, The pumping action is a welcome change, in my opinion, to shooting off-screen. So if you've ever played a light gun game, you know, it's like fire, 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 reload, blah, 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 reload, and you, like, aim behind you or shoot up. I mean, obviously, that's not how... Yeah. Can yeah. you imagine a guy his first day on the job as a cop and he's like, I've played virtual cop, guys. I know how this is done. Freeze! Two, 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 two. Oh, I'm out. Shoot up the guys, air. Guys, it's not working. <laughs> I'm shooting it in the air and it's not filling with bullets. So, I mean, as as far as like realism, I feel like House of the Dead 3 actually bring things a little closer because when you're pointing at the screen with the shotgun, you can continue shooting without breaking your aim to shoot off screen. Um, I know that some uh, light gun games uses a button on the side to reload, so you don't need to shoot off screen, but that's kind of annoying to like be pushing the side of the gun. Um, and it's also kind of unrealistic. I guess maybe the safety would be there or something. I don't know much about guns. Um, but it, it's cool, and it just does not really translate to the home console. Um Another departure from the franchise, and I don't know if you've noticed this, is that there's a lack of civilians to rescue. You don't rescue anyone. Oh, man, they're the best ones. Don't come. Don't come. Don't come. (laughs) Right? Yeah, there's a meme there. I know. (laughs) Me on my wedding night doing it for the first time. (laughs) Don't come. Don't come. Um, Sorry, that's really gross. Um, But... Yeah, so what you do instead is you actually rescue your partner. So the player one or player two gets trapped behind creatures and then they lose their ability to shoot for a brief moment and the other player needs to rescue them. So if they're successful, they get a bonus life. And what's nice is if they fail, you don't get and they don't get any damage, which I think would be kind of unfair because it's like I didn't choose to get captured. Yeah, <laughs> it's part of the game. So it's I think that's actually a really fun system. I know um, the Virtua wait Time Crisis. Time Crisis did fun stuff like that mm-hmm. um, in their later games where players would work together, and so I, I think it's cool that they started to introduce that. I think it's just a shame that they didn't really push it further in later games. Um, but what's cool is that if you are successful with all your rescues, 
you're rewarded with a, a stash of bonus items towards the end of the game to like stock up on. It's almost like you're playing a Wolfenstein 3D, you know, where you like find the hidden room and you're like, ah, oh, collect all those items. Um, so let's talk about the gameplay. What do you think worked? What didn't? And do you think Sega did enough here to make the game feel fresh and fun? Well, I mean, it has zombies in it. Uh, maybe outside of the time traveling thing, like I said, I, I actually like the you know the shotgun with the with like the idea of the shotgun. Like I've never played this game mm-hmm. in arcades, but like I've seen people play it on arcades, and the whole you know mm-hmm. like the idea of pumping the shotgun feels so satisfying, but that doesn't right. translate at home. So my experience from home, it's like it, that whole feature that they worked on doesn't really translate. So that's out. Um, so, so you got to think about right. it that way sometimes, right? Um, gameplay wise, I mean, what else are you going to do with a light gun shooter outside of like, uh, having, you know, different paths like, uh, virtual cop or like, um, picking your own, you know, like that's the only thing I could really think of. Can you think of anything they could have like innovative that would have made this a little bit better? Maybe like giving you a slow mo, like letting you shoot in slow mo when you randomly make a gauge or like, you know what I mean? Like fill a gauge, you could do slow mo, something like that would have been cool, maybe. But like, I can't. Really I think, think that would have been fun. Yeah, I can't think yeah. of much. You know, it's like the games are all very bread and butter McDonald's. It's like, what can you do to make a McDonald's hamburger taste better? You know, besides make it better, I guess. It's you know, right? The ingredients, you know, are there, and they're fine. I mean, they're cheesy. Yeah, it's a cheesy game, nice horror game to play in Halloween. What do your, what can what can they do to make it fresh in your mind, Barry? Um, well, there, there have been plans very early on in the House of the Dead where there would be, um, these like foot pedals in front of the player and they could kick the zombies back or I calling them zombies, the, the creatures back. So when you're going tuk, 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 if they get too close, you kick the foot pedal in front of you and then the, the creature stumbles back. I think that would have been really fun. Um, they actually did implement that in Rise of Nightmares, which is like a semi-sequel um, to House of the Dead, uh, which is actually a really fun game. I want to cover it on a Sega Talk just because I think it people forget about it because it's a Connect title, but there's some cool stuff like that in it. Um, it's, but honestly, it's hard to say because any ideas I have that go to out there make it probably not a very pick up and play game. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you see a light gun game. They work so well because they're basic. Now, I like the idea of, like, slowdown. I like the idea, and I think Confidential Mission would do this sometimes, where it would be like, your mission, shoot the four, you know, four drones in the sky uh, in 10 seconds to stop the bad guy. You know, like, I think little moments like that would be fun. Um, but, I mean, by and large, I think it's it's a, it's a good game. I think um, I have no real complaints about it it's just i guess when you compare it to all the other games in the series it's kind of middle of the road um i don't think it's as good as two but i think it doesn't do anything too offensive to throw things off so i i i like it i don't have any complaints about it and i feel like sega did just as much as they could they could really do um for the game and this is also um i think if anything yeah. I was going to say, this is kind of an awkward game, too, because it's, like, on a very, like, short-lived uh, arcade board. This is what they did, what, Virtual Cop 3 and this one and maybe, like, a couple other games? 
Right. Yeah, so it's kind yeah. of a weird moment in very, Sega history. Very short-lived, and um, we'll talk about it in a bit, but it's on a console that isn't known for its light gun games. That too. Like, at all. No. Um, so... Uh, there's also a cool feature where there's a branching path. And if you've played House of the Dead games, this is nothing new. Like, uh, in two, you know, there, there'll be little moments where you're playing a stage and then it'll be like, should I go up here and rescue that guy or should I go down here? Um, in this game though, it's more, it, the branching takes place between stages. So, or between chapters, I should say. So, if you want to bring up the path graphic, this can actually give us a good idea of how the game kind of lays out. So uh, players have play through six chapters, with zero being first and five being the last. Um, three actually differs from other branching games like Outrun or Shadow the Hedgehog, which start at one stage and then go to two, four, six, and it kind of explodes from there. Um, in three, though, what you do is you play the first stage, zero. You play... Uh, chapter one, and then you're given the option to go to uh, three different areas, which have two versions depending on your initial route. So I think something you do initially will impact those visually, mm. um, which is kind of cool. And But in the end, you do play everything. You just don't play them in the same order. And I guess something to compare it to would be, be like Mega Man. Yeah. Or um, Quackshot, maybe. But I think with Mega Man, there's a lot more. You you could play through a whole stage, I believe. Um, it's just depending on the order. Or kind of like Ghostbusters. When we talked about the Genesis Ghostbusters, there's three houses you can visit. Um, so you just need to complete all of them before you get to the final one. Um, and as mentioned, your selection your initial selection actually will dictate which ending you get which is kind of cool um so what do, what do you think of this branching structure would you have liked to see it more like house of the dead 2 would you have liked to see a house of the dead game that does like the outrun structure where it just like goes crazy and yeah you have well, infinite options of course i mean that would be the dream right being able to like have a bunch of different ways and like oh did you go down this path? Because if you go down this path, you find some secrets and stuff. And that's cool. But like, you could tell that they were really stressed on releasing this and releasing it quickly. I'm assuming in planning stages, the idea of like an outrun uh, House of the Dead was probably going to be their like, what they wanted to wanted to do. And then in the reality, it's like, you, you know, making all these games in HD, especially since it was like early, right. you know, 3D. It probably they had to scale mm -hmm. back and then they made this idea where you have to use all your assets because it's a short game and you know they did it and they just gave you a little bit of choice i guess an illusion of a choice right because you still play everything right yeah it's it's more just kind of like pick the order you want to go um there isn't it, they are it's branching but it's it's this kind of branch where it's like it goes out and then it goes in it's like it expands and then contracts again um i i think it I think Sega should do, and this is another stupid idea of mine that people will dislike, um, a mashup game where it's like a bunch, it's like you get Outrun of the Dead. Oh, dude, that'd be awesome. Or, you know, like where it just, it takes like, yeah, it's almost like a mini game compilation like WarioWare, but it's called like Sega Smash 
mashup, Sega mashup, I don't know, something like that, um, where you just, you get all these fun little mini compilations, but it's like mixing concepts. So you have the OutRun car, but you're shooting, so it's a light gun driving game with branching paths. Okay, that's a little crazy. Like, my idea was going to be more like, just get all the levels from uh, one through five or whatever, and then, like, you know how Mm -hmm. you say you're going to do, like, a remake, you know, look graphically the same? The idea of just, like, having a survival mode where it's branching paths, like, uh, outrun, and there's, like, rules, so, like, you shoot zombies in the head, you get points, and then you have a shop when you get to the next area, and you could buy, you could stock up on uh, ammo and see how long you survive. That would be something that would be cool, I like that. Yeah. Okay, let's add that to the VR game that we're making. All right, Um, what we're making, (laughs) Sega, email Sega about it, yeah. That'd be cool. Like well, something no, I'm like just that. gonna, I'm just gonna make a Kickstarter and just use the the IP and let Sega sue me. I think that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Um, let's talk about the bosses in the game. A House of the Dead game would not be a House of the Dead game if it didn't have bosses. That's true. Um, so let's check out the big bad boys that we blast in the <laughs> third game. Oh. I wrote. The, I always <laughs> feel like you you write those those silly things. So I thought I'd throw. Oh them yeah, in there. you got to. Um, the first guy, this is death. And this guy, this is a guy. This is definitely Look a guy. Look at this guy. I mean, he uh, he looks like a village person, right? Like he's like a cop, but is he a cop? He's a little buff to be a cop. <laughs> no? So, yeah, so death, he was created to be a security guard of the facility. And what I thought was really funny is it's like his literal job is to be security guard. And they're like, well, let's give him a little hat. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, like he looks like a stripper that's like playing a zombie cop. Right. And to my knowledge, the House of the Dead creatures are not like undead people. Are they undead people mutated? Like, I don't think he was a security guard. And then turned into this. I think they created this creature, told him he's the security guard, and then they gave him a little hat. Little cute outfit. And what I find really interesting... Well, yeah, what I find really interesting is these guys are like uncontrollable monsters, but they still are smart enough to keep their shoes on and keep their little hat on. Like, if you were a monster, you'd be like, what is it? Like, ripping it off. But instead, he's like, well, this is my hat. He understands that his his arms are muscular and he has to take off the sleeves so people can (laughs) admire him. You know, he knows. He knows. Right. But, yeah. And and I think, and I did not do this in my research, um, and I'm just kind of going off script here for a second, but... I, I think there was a toy line. Yeah, it was from Pal. I think Palisades. Um, I don't know if they made House of the Dead three action figures. Now they made one, and then it was canceled. But I feel like there was a House of the Dead three action figure of this guy. And I'm looking. I could be wrong. I'm looking. I see some of them, and not him, but they looks almost like him. Like uh, strength. Is one that pops up yeah. right away. Kind of looks like him. I don't. I don't think they made it to three. But yeah, there in the early two thousands, there was this insane amount of action figures being made for games that were appearing on like Xbox and PlayStation Two and stuff from Sega. And it's it's a shame this one didn't make the cut because I would have loved to have a death <laughs> figure with his like. Skull. So he has like a hammer made of heads, like yeah. skull heads, like built into the. Yeah, it's insane. Um, it's beautiful. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's really cool though is he's it's a chase through corridors, so it's like you're being chased by the security guard. Um, so that's kind of unique. That's innovative. The next one, it's this next one's messed up. Um, this one's what's his name, George? Fool. Fool. Is it- <laughs> is, I mean, so, it's, it's named after tarot cards, right? So it, it would make sense. But like, is this what you I think get, of when you think of like, a fool? So, yeah. So, for those not looking at this on our video, it's a sloth. It's like a mutant sloth named yeah. Fool, and <laughs> it's like a Sonic character, Fool the Sloth. Um, it's a mutant sloth. He lives in a giant cage, feasting on human bodies, and then players get trapped into his trapped in his cage with him. And have to shoot him to death. But like, who was watching Discovery Channel like, when they created this creature? I'm just, I'm kind of speechless looking at fool. I got to move on. The next one is called Sun, <coughs> and this guy is a result of a creepy experiment <laughs> combining human DNA with a plant. Okay. Um, and after the facility was abandoned, Sun overtook a majority of the lab. And I, I like this little fun fact. Sun's tendrils, the little like things coming out of him, their names are Sun Sun. Mm-hmm. So that's like if my hands were called Berry Berry. Berry Berries would be better. <laughs> but... <laughs> like here comes Berry and he's got, oh, he's going to touch you with his Berry Berries. So, um, yeah, um, I, I kind of like the idea behind it. Like I, it would be weird, like having a sentient, like human-like tree. That that must be weird, but uh, it's a lot better than a sloth. But it is kind of weird that you just find a tree. Really, that's what it is. Right? Yeah, a low poly tree named Sun. Um, the last one is called Wheel of Fate. This one's pretty cool. So it looks like the Silver mm-hmm. Surfer or like a scrapped player evolution from Res, but it's actually Doctor Curian from the first game resurrected. With electrokinetic and levitational powers. Um, and he promised, you know, to destroy humanity and resurrect it. But in the end, he dies like a little bitch begging for his life. You had to add that. Silver Surfer. <laughs> silver Surfer. He does look, look at this. He does look like now, the Silver Surfer. I mean, look at that. He's like the Silver Surfer with like pointy hair. He looks like a character from that uh, CG animated show Reboot. Oh, remember yeah. Remember that show? Yeah, I do remember that show. I used to watch it when I was a kid. I actually, at the beginning of the pandemic, I bought the DVD set and I was like, I'm going to watch this. And I never did. But I, I now that I'm looking at this, I'm reminded that I should dig that out and just like put it on while I'm working during the day. But okay. So, you know, I know you said house of the dead three is not your favorite game no um and i'm kind of with you when it comes to the bosses because death right out the gate is a cool enemy yeah he's a security guard with a giant skull club and then you got a sloth a plant and the silver surfer it's like they phoned it in a little bit with the bad guys this time (laughs) around like i mean like remember that night in the in part two with the little thing that like whines at you that's iconic Right. Yeah. Yeah. This not they're not and as iconic. I, it's not as iconic and I have to wonder if it's because they wanted to tone down the gore and the blood so they created enemies that wouldn't bleed. Maybe that's what it is outside of the sloth, really. Yeah. And death it, maybe. It's weird. But it's like a plant. It's super weird. Like nah, <laughs> I don't know. 
It's weird. Um, let's talk about the people who made this weird stuff. So, WoW Entertainment. I don't think... I love their logo. On the... It's Puyo Puyo. I love their logo, but I don't think on the 80-plus episodes that we've talked about Sega, we have... I don't think we've covered a WoW Entertainment game. I'm surprised. And there's... I guess there's kind of a reason for that. So, uh, WoW Entertainment was a continuation of Sega Software R&D Department 1. And if you haven't heard of these guys, I don't really blame you because they were very short-lived. They had six games to their name. They are World Series 99, Sega Tetris, Dynamite Baseball 99, Sega Marine Fishing, which is probably their most notable game, Quiz, ah, Megumi-sama, Takataku, Tsubasa, Tonomi. Ah, Megami-sama, that's my favorite game, dude. Are you talking about that game? That's legendary. Well, I'm talking about, yeah, but I'm talking about the one that's Takatakao, Tsubasa, Tomoni. Man, and I'm going to Japan in less than a year. And you're supposed to and learn here's this. my... I've been using an app, and I basically know how to count to two, <laughs> and it's just, taken me two months. <laughs> just you only know how to, you only need to know three things: where's the Sega games, where's the beer, and where's the sushi? Sushi. That's it. And if you, I've, and if you yell loud enough in English and point at things, that's how it works. Um, their last game was Brave Firefighters, which I actually, it's not their last game that they made, but it's the last game that they made on this list. Brave Firefighters, I actually really like that game. Um, and they had it at Galloping Ghost. I think they still do, but it's I think it requires a lot of upkeep. It's basically a light gun game that uses really heavy fire hoses. I've never played it, but and I want to. They they feel so they have you hold the hose under your arm and then they have the thing, like the pump, and it's like a scale of how much you turn it, so you actually can like go full blast or a little bit and then like water runs out. It's fun. Like it's a really fun game. And I, to, to me, it's like the most memorable game here. But like, as you can see, there's nothing here that's really jumping out at you. Um, but then they were formed into WoW Entertainment. WoW developed more games uh, that included Sega GT for the Dreamcast and Sega GT 2002 for the Xbox. Um, WoW also developed Alien Front Online, Sports Jam, and the PS2 game Vampire Night. Um, other games included the GBA Classics Columns Crown, Pinball of the Dead, which I, I think is an awesome it game. It is a pretty good game. And then Altered Beast, Guardian of the Realms, and they also made Typing of the Dead 2003, 2004, and three. So uh, WoW only exists. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, like, the, no, the Altered Beast GBA game and the Typing of the Dead games are mm-hmm. all great games. I wish I was worse at typing because I don't know if you're the, I mean, like, I could type almost 90 words a minute. So the fact that these games yeah. are like nothing. I don't know about you. I don't know your typing skills, but like these games, these typing games are just too easy for me, you know? But I love them. I, I like my typing them. skills. I, I, I think I'm a hunt and pecker. Like, I think I look at the t- keys, but then I realize when I'm typing, I'm not really looking at the keyboard. So I think if I try to type, I'm really bad at it, mm. which is why I kind of suck at those games. It's almost like when someone says to you, oh, like whenever I go to an arcade with people like, oh, Barry does a video game site. Barry, you're good at games. And I'm like, oh, oh no. shit. And so I'll start playing a game and I'll be really bad at it. And I'm like, it's because you told me I'm good at it. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the game. You know? Um, 
Yeah, it does. But but what's really interesting here, so WoW, um, in all that time, they only existed for three years. Uh, they merged with Overworks. They became Sega WoW. And what's funny is before that, they were called WoWWorks, but no games were released. So technically, it's a name they had, but never released anything under. Um, and then in 2005, Sega WoW was merged back into Sega, and it became AM1 for arcade titles and a different division, Global Entertainment R&D Department 2 for consumer games. Um, AM1, AM1 is probably most notably known now for releasing House of the Dead Scarlet Dawn. So, I mean, some Sega teams, they have complex histories. And honestly, I think WoW is one of them. And I don't think it's... I don't want to, like, belittle them, but it's not that interesting of a history. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like... You were a studio that didn't really make much, and then you were a studio that made a couple of hits on the Xbox, and then you were briefly another studio, and then you just were basically brought back into the fold. Oh, um, yeah. Um, do you... But, okay, so when I when I boot up, like, some of these games, like Smilebit games, I'm like, oh, I'm playing a Smilebit game. Have you ever booted up a WoW Entertainment game and, like, gotten excited by the logo? I, well, I'm a Sega fan, so, like, we're a little different compared to normal people. I think most normal people wouldn't care right. because, like, they made Ligon games that they played real quick in the arcade compared to, like... Smile bit that made like I would consider Jet Set Radio one of the most iconic games released in that era. Just in the fact that it was the first cell shaded game, and a lot of games after that started copying the idea behind that art style. Right. So right. So there's no. I mean, I would say the House of the Dead is probably the closest they got to being that kind of level of iconic. But like a lot of their games, like mm-hmm. you said, are street racing games. I want. I, I really wonder. Like, are we ever going to cover a Sega GT game? Probably not. Are we ever going to cover like? I mean, never say never. But Dynamite we Baseball '99. I don't know. No, no, I don't think so. So I, I think if we talk about Sega GT, it's probably going to be all of them mm-hmm. because I just don't know how you can talk about one and then be like, next time we're talking about Sega, Sega GT. GT online, yeah. which is. Yeah, and it's almost like um, Daytona, where you had the 2002. You kind of had to talk about those when you talk about the original Daytona or the remake mm-hmm. they made in 2016 or whatever. Right, and for me, you know, I, I look at look back at that time where Sega told all of their studios go operate external from the company. You're still owned by us. You still work for, with us, but you're kind of like your own thing. I love that period of history. I think you know, like. I get when when Beatles fans talk about like a certain era and they're like that was it man that was the peak of the Beatles like for me as a Sega fan I'm like the peak of Sega was dream like late Dreamcast era or early Dreamcast era where they took all the teams and they gave them like their own studio space they said go at it make creative stuff you're not AM1, Department G, Section 2. It's like, make a fun logo. I think, though, WoW Entertainment, out of all of them, like Smilebit, Overworks, um, uh, what, what's some, United Game Artists, Sonic Team, I think WoW Entertainment is the one where I hear the name, I see the logo, and I, and I expect something exciting, and then I look at the list of games, and it's it's kind of disappointing. Like there's a few great ones like this one, but like, yeah, it's, I I think they could have done more. I think they should have done more, but maybe they just 
they were the racing game in House of the Dead guys. Yeah. And <laughs> you know? I mean, like, right now, even now at Sega, it's still a little complicated with their studios and how they work. Like, we have, like, people are still saying, like, Sonic Team worked on Fantasy Star 2, Online 2. And I'm like, did they, though? Isn't that a separate team now? Right. And then they got the real God, Go, Go Toko, whatever you say, uh, RGG Studios. RGG, yeah. yeah. They have them, and now they're their studios. I just wish that, like, I don't know, like, if you're going to have another studio, like, Sonic Team's fine. You know, they've had that name forever. RGG makes sense. Right. But, like, if you're going to have, like, a like a Puyo Puyo studio, like, you know, they were making games for a while by themselves, let them have their own name, their own logo, and then also let right. the Fantasy Star Online 2 team or 3, whatever they're working on, have their own logo, too, and their own brand and their own people and their own way of doing things, I guess. But what do you th- – I mean – Right. If Basically, if you're going to, like, elevate one team and give them their own name and be like, it's the Sonic Team Studio, yeah. do it for all of them. Because I, I do think it's kind of a little offensive, at least, I don't know, to, to be like AM1 is still a studio. It's still a team. It has a history that traces all the way back to what we were just talking about, but no one really knows about them. Mm. Like, who makes House of the Dead Scarlet Dawn? There's some people out there who is like, oh, I think they outsourced it. Did they make it in China? You know, like... <laughs> yeah, that's what a lot of people um, said, yeah. That happened with... What's the latest one? Um, Virtua Fighter... Five? Um, I mean, the, 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 the re- uh, Ultimate Showdown? Uh, yeah, yeah. And people were looking and they are like, oh, based on the renders, this is actually made in China. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> but... You know, AM2, I, was, was their logo used on the game? I don't think it was. It was RGG Studio, right? I think they had both of them. I think they, they had the, the Splash, and okay. then they had them, and then they had to copyright both of theirs. RGG really has okay. just taken over anything console-related. It's so sad. Like, AM2 and AM1 don't really get the, the pool mm-hmm. they should get. You know what I mean? Like They should, and I think that's going back to talking about giving these games releases. Like, why not elevate AM1 a little, like... Maybe those Japanese developers don't care or don't ask for it, but like as a fan base, I think it's great to kind of compartmentalize these groups to give them more of an identity. And I mean, uh, the AM1 team, they have a logo, but I don't think you show it to anyone, they're not going to know what it is. Um, It's just odd to me. I don't know. Um, Let's talk about the development team, though. So we have uh, a picture (laughs) of... um, I always love when these come up because it's like I could totally throw in a different guy and no one would know. Um, but uh, the game House of the Dead 3 was originally developed with the number 3 mm. instead of the Roman numerals. Um, 3 also began as a Naomi hardware game before transitioning to Naomi 2 and eventually launching on Sega's Xbox-based Chihiro board, and which, as you mentioned, George, um, was not really used that much. Mm-hmm. Um so as such, 3 went from being a late Dreamcast release to an early Xbox release. And I'm, what I mean by that is if the game did release to the Naomi, it's perfectly likely that it would have released like at the end of the game's, the console's lifespan, possibly Japan exclusive, maybe made it to Europe, you know, and we would have been importing it and then it would have gotten an Xbox port or something like that. But it, it just didn't happen. I don't know how far along it was, so I can't say for sure if there's like a disc floating around out there of House of the Dead 3. That'd be sick. Um, I don't think so, though. Um, director Takashi Oda, 
return to the series, having directed previous entries, including um, one and two. Yeah, that <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, meanwhile, Yoshinori Tomoyasu served as the game planner. And he directed Vampire Night. Have you ever heard of that game? No, I have not. Uh, this is like the first. I don't. Is it is it good or is it one of those bad games? Because every time I hear a vampire game on consoles, it's always a bad game. I don't know. Like there was that Vampire Rain game. The guy that made uh, Sonic. Remember him? Mm, yeah. I'm looking at the pictures. So what's interesting about what's interesting about that game is it was released for arcades and PS2. But it was a joint project with Namco and Sega. Mm, that's and it weird. kind of is a spiritual offshoot of House of the Dead, but it's set in like a gothic vampire horror theme. It's almost like Castlevania, but I know Namco did not make Castlevania, so I don't know where they were pulling from. Um, however, apparently, and I don't know what elements were, but several elements of Vampire Night were carried over into three. So I think being the game planner, uh, Having directed Vampire Night, they brought in the game planner and he brought some of his ideas. So, you know, a game we've never <laughs> really heard of um, influencing House of the Dead 3. The head of WoW Entertainment, and I threw his picture in here, that's the guy we've been looking at, Rikia Nakagawa. Um, he would also return to the franchise, having, having worked on the previous titles. Uh, but soon after, he actually left for a corporate job at Sammy. And then he left after that to become president of some other company. So, uh, honestly, like House of the Dead 3 was kind of like the grand finale for a lot of these guys. Like, this was the third game. Then they went on with their careers, did other things. It was also kind of the end of WoW. Um, so, it kind of makes sense for them to do this final finality finale where it's like 2019, this is it. We're done. I don't think they ever planned to end the series here, but I, I think that's kind of probably the intent. Um, they also, when they were making the game, they wanted to have it be very accessible for new players, uh, which is also probably why they moved the story into the distant future, so they could just do little references to the, the first game and kind of keep it at that. Uh, the branching paths were not new, um, but as I mentioned rather than being within the game, they were between stages. And then what I really liked is that the bosses in the game actually didn't appear at the end of the stage. They would appear at random moments during gameplay, which I think really made the game a lot scarier for players because, you know, you're always waiting for that title card. Yeah. And then the boss appears. But instead you'll be playing, and then all of a sudden the security guard's chasing you. Um Something like that kind of carried over into Rise of Nightmares. There was kind of this like Jason Voorhees uh, character who's stalking you throughout the game, and he'll just appear at random times. And so you always have to, you, it's kind of like alien isolation. Yeah. You know, like you don't know when or where you'll be attacked. Um, yeah. Uh, if we look at this next slide, this is really cool. So, House of the Dead. 3 was going to be cell shaded. Mm. What do you think of these pictures? Um <laughs> it reminds me of that same game uh those characters we talked about from that uh side series, right? The the one with the dad and the girl um where they made that cell shaded. I'm assuming that they were going to plan to make this cell shaded and then that didn't work out. 
I, I really do think, I mean, when we talked about two in the, in the House of the Dead 2 episode, we talked about how they went to court or whatever based on the violence. And I'm assuming they really took that to heart. And I'm assuming this is probably one of their plans to try to, like, negate any negative aspects of the of the game by, like, oh, look, it's a cartoon, actually. So it's not real violence, right? Yeah, I mean, I... I like the graphics. I like the Jet Set Radio like cell shaded look. Um, I think the user interface is a little cheap looking. It almost looks like a mobile phone game. Oh yeah. But I don't. I don't think that's final. No. So I think a lot of people are judging this based on like concept art. Really, I think a final product with these like brighter colors would have been really kind of cool and interesting. Um, and I, I mean, it's not much different than like House of the Dead Overkill, where they took some like graphical stylistic look and pushed it to the extreme. But in that case, it was like film grain and like dirty movie prints, you know, um, instead of a cartoon. I, I, we've seen cartoony House of the Dead with um, the aforementioned mini mini game compilation. So I'm on the fence. I, I. I think it could have worked if done correctly. Maybe, maybe um, make unfortunately, it like a, though, like a filter or something. It could have been cool, like replay the game, but in a cartoon setting, like Looney Tunes setting, would have been interesting. Maybe with more gags, but like I don't know. Yeah, hmm. to me, it's like I don't know. Maybe like a side game could have worked, like making its own like a uh, cartoony. <laughs> Oh, like your starter, like a spinoff, yeah. like to- Tune of the Dead yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that could have been cool. Um, unfortunately, though, they actually did focus group testing with this and received negative player feedback. So they reined it in. They um, basically returned to the original graphical style. Um, however, and I, this, no one talks about this, but the characters in the game have large hands. Have you noticed that? <laughs> no, I never stared at in their hands. In this game specifically. So, I don't know. I mean, if you're watching on YouTube, maybe you can jump back and look at our character profiles. If you look at uh, Rogan, I got his you. render, it's the it's the in-game render. Look at his hands. Oh they my God, are, they are huge. They're bigger than his head. You know what? The- and if you look at... What's yeah. her name? Lisa? Like the girl? Was her name Lisa or what was her name? Um, she has Lisa. she has like the most normal hands, and I'm assuming they're like she's a woman. She can't have big hands, obviously. But uh, that is a lie. That is a render. That's a lie, though. That is a render. The renders have normal sized okay. hands. The in-game graphics, oh. their hands are like twice the size. Okay, Cause if you look at his hand, it he could oh put his palm on his face and curl his fingers around to the back of his head. Look at the ending when you gave me, and that's not. The ending where and the guy's it's not walking. just him. Yeah. And then the guy that steals yeah. the car, his hands are like uh, on his lap, but his fingers are on the steering wheel. The guy, the zombie that steals the car, his his hands are so long, right. he could rest his hand on his knees and still steal the car. <laughs> that's, that's long. Exactly. And so I honestly have to wonder if this was a carryover from that cartoony graphical style that they just couldn't fix. Mm. Um, because, you know, you can change the, the graphics, you can paint, change the textures, but you can't change the hand sizes of all the models. Um, but I honestly think it's because the game uses motion capture technology and specifically they did 
motion capture hands. And they made, I think they made the hands larger to accentuate the finger movement. Because if you did those tiny little um, normal sized hands with a 3D model, they'd it'd probably be a little too complex. Maybe there would be like the fingers might, I don't know, like collide with each other. But when you're doing these big, big hands and the only other time I can think about that is if you've played Sonic Adventure 2, that game has a lot of motion capture. And remember how huge all the humans hands were like the president Mm -hmm. and Eggman, like they have huge hands. I think it's, it's just a quirk of motion capture hands. Especially early on. <laughs> you know? It's, isn't that goofy? So sorry if I ruined the game for you, but everyone has huge hands. Um, it's a dream game, dude. Also, to talk briefly about the music, uh, the music was composed by Eriko Sakurai. Eriko Sakurai. And if you've been following Segabits uh, for years, you know that we are champions of the female staff at Sega of Japan and Sega of America and Sega Europe. But what I like so much about it is like you get these people who are just like so instrumental within Sega who are women in an industry that is very male dominated. And I feel like Sega was always a little more pioneering in giving women a chance, not just a chance, but giving them like leadership positions and, and key development roles. Um, Ariko, though, she is best known actually for this game, for doing the soundtrack, and she plays the theremin. Do you know what the theremin is? No. What is it? So the theremin is this like electric box. There is a thing that goes up the top and on the side, and when you play it, it's you don't touch it. It's all based on your how close your hands are to these like electric, um, electrically charged pieces of metal, and it makes that creepy. You know, <laughs> there's people playing it on the internet. So if exactly, so she did the music for three, and she played the theremin on House of the Dead four, which really makes me want to dig out the four soundtrack. Um, and she actually now works at uh, Namco Bandai under the name Toreen. Um, so that's what she's up to. But she had a brief history with Sega. She worked on uh, those quiz games that you like so much. Them. She also worked on a game called Vert. Virtua Golf, which kind of blows my mind because I did not know there was a Virtua Golf game oh, until I realized I want to play it. It is, it is an arcade only game uh, known as Dynamic Golf in Japan. I want to play it, and it was never released to consoles. I want to play it. I want to play all the Virtua games. Same. Um, she did the music for Altered Beast, the PlayStation Two version. Remember that one? Yeah, I do. the really bad yeah, one. Yeah, do. Um, and she even composed music for Super Smash Brothers on the 3DS. I think everyone did, Under though. her name, Toreen. Everyone did, though. Yeah, like that's true. Even, like, Yuzo Koshiro. Everybody at Sega, I think even Hideki has a track there. And, you know, Hideki doesn't do anything anymore. Well, what's interesting, though, is she did the staff role music for the 3DS game. Oh, <laughs> I mean... Yeah. Th- that, that game is so packed with, like, music. Like, you could buy the game and all the DLC and just go through all the music through it. And it's like, oh, cool. It's worth it just for the music. She did the ticket selection music for the Wii U version. Um, she did a lot of music for World Series Baseball 2K1. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, uh, not a huge 
history at Sega, but definitely made her impact on the House of the Dead franchise. So uh, check out the soundtrack for that. Um, meanwhile, I also want to talk about Meat Man. Um, <laughs> so to market the game, Sega held a unique contest called Become a Zombie, which bothers me because they always say these aren't zombies, these are creatures. But then Sega of America is like, ah, oh, you become a zombie. Um, you ruined the game. So from October 25th, <laughs> from October 25th to November 23rd, 2001, um, people were asked to send in photos and short explanations with their zombie costumes. And then on November 30th, the development team members reviewed the entries and picked a winner to appear within the game itself. The winner was Meat Man. Meat Man. Uh, Meat Man is a creature that appears in the Genome Ward level, so he's a unique enemy creature. Let's take a look at Meat Man here. He looks... What do you think of Meat Man? I like his shirt. Very stylish. But I don't know if I would wear that shirt that loud with some, like, khaki pants, but... um... Hey, Meat Man knows what he's doing. I don't know anything. Um, (laughs) He's got white eyes. His head's made of, like, meat, I guess. I mean, it's better than the sloth. He's got no skin. He's better than the sloth? For sure. Meat Man. Why does he need a boss? Meat Man. Hey, you you play the Meat Man? (laughs) It's big old hands? He's got big hands. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Meat Man's Meat Man. I just, I wonder... I wonder, and not to bring the show down, but like this was a month after 9-11 where they're asking people to send in pictures of zombies. You think... Like, do you think it just was like not... Was 9-11 I don't part know. Like, of the zombie I, I, attack? I'm not sure. Well, I'm just <laughs> oh, saying, okay. like, we're, you're, you're coming out of 9-11 and then they're like, oh yeah, by the way, we got a, a contest going on where you can send us pictures of zombies. And it's like, dude, we're dealing with some stuff over here in Japan. <laughs> and Japan's like, come on, dress <laughs> up. Know. I always, I don't know, whenever I'm like researching stuff and I'm like, oh, a a video game came out a week after 9-11. I'm like, I don't think anyone was playing it. Um, Yeah, it was a weird time. All right. Let's, let's, let's look at this promotional ad. I love this promotional ad. Um, You talking about, you talking about my favorite Tales from the Crips ripoff comic book right here? (laughs) Well, and I, I honestly think this is like the, a remnant of that, uh, comic booky, cartoony style because this is like totally out there Mm -hmm. it is a ad for the game that looks like a like 1970s horror comic oh yeah Um, like what do you what do you think of this i you always ask me as a designer i think as a comic book fan george what do you think of this wow um i like it It, like i told you it reminds me of uh, tales from the crypt which is like one of my favorite like I think everyone likes Tales from the Crypt. The HBO show is really what got me into it. I've read some of the comics. Obviously, they're not mm-hmm. as good. They were very cheaply made. But I really love the aesthetic they always had. And these zombies really remind me of those comics. I feel like if the cel-shaded look could have captured this, like, Tales from the Crypt, you know, like, raunchy comic book that you would see in the, you know, back in the old days, it might have uh, passed focus testing and actually been a thing, you know? But it, it just looked a little bright. Right. This looks more like what they should have aimed for right here, for sure. And what I find interesting is it's it's very House of the Dead Overkill, like this ad, because mm-hmm. House of the Dead Overkill was based on Grindhouse movies from like the 60s and, or the 70s and 80s. This is based on horror comics around that time. And if you remember, like every stage of um, House of the Dead Overkill would kick off with like a trailer. Mm-hmm. 
and like a trailer voice. And you see right here, spooky tales of terror that will make you shiver. Like if you remember any of the stages in that game, they always had like catchy little like trailer lines. Um, I would love to see a House of the Dead game that just goes full on horror comic book complete with like the turning pages. Um, and maybe you could even like get a little meta and have like the light gun starting to shoot through the comic book pages and there's like paper going all over the place. That would be fun. I don't know. They could just have like um, a spokesperson that does the intros too. Like let's today we're going to be telling the tale, you know, kind of like the green, uh, the crypt keeper and the, the HB. The crypt yeah. keeper. Yeah. That'd be cool. That's a hot thing right now. I'm that Joe Bob's back and Elvira's she back. She is back. Yeah. And and she looks great. I'm surprised. I was like, isn't she like a gazillion years old? She looks younger than me. What the hell's going on here? <laughs> I went to a toy show over the weekend, and they had a uh, Coors beer standee of Elvira oh. holding the tray. I didn't even ask how much it cost, because I'm sure the guy would go, oh, $450. <laughs> um, yeah. Oof. I did see a copy of Sonic 1 for uh, $20. Wow, that's so. pretty good. I mean, for today's market, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a half a million dollar game. I, I I'm mean, dressed like the guy, too. Hey. Well, no wonder you... Video games are, uh, are really worth, hot right now, Yeah, they're kids. pretty hot. Did you see a bunch? I saw no, a bunch of Video games are really hot right now. People are like, Jeez. Yeah, Mario 1 is worth a million dollars? I didn't know that. I thought a lot of people bought that oh game. Oh, my God. I don't know. Not to throw the show completely off the rails, but I get targeted with um, Pawn Stars videos constantly on Facebook. And, they're, and I got the one where it's like, all right, what are you bringing in here? I have a copy of Mario 1... 9.6 graded and they're like oh mario one that's a popular game i'm gonna bring in my expert and he's like yeah this game sold for uh forty thousand at auction last year <laughs> and he's real? like what do you want for it i'd like 50 yeah and i'm like go go away i Come hate on. i hate the specu- speculator market but yeah let's talk about the trailer i guess we're gonna talk about <sighs> i want to talk about other things <laughs> all right um no um um so let's take a look at this prototype trailer this is a trailer that released for the game that includes footage that's after the cell shaded stuff was rolled back but before the final release it's two minutes long we can check out like the first minute or so i'll play it wow it's the future right so right off the bat they're showing the time progressing um if you've played House of the Dead games, the date is really important when they cut stu- uh, set up the cutscenes. Oh yeah, look at their hands. Look at the hands. D- they're they're beautiful. They're huge. Oh my god, you're right. They're ridiculously like... big in here. Aren't they? Are they bigger here than they are in the game, or are they the same size? No, oh that's god. how big they are. This is what I wish my hands looked like. No, actually, not not really, because I look like a freak. Can you imagine that? Like, isn't that the, the guy on reg- Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like you can't even buy regular <laughs> gloves. Why? <laughs> look at those hands. You know what? It's okay to have slim the, hands. The, you know, you don't have to have meat hooks. You know, like these guys. Yeah. I guess he took the so, the Rogan yeah. name seriously, and they're like, "Let's give him Joe Rogan hands, huge, humongous <laughs> meat muffins." You know what I mean? Like, what All is right. that? What the the horse paste does for you? That's what the that's what taking steroids does sometimes. I get. I, I'm assuming they took steroids for this because holding a shotgun hard. Grow. Have you actually ever shot a shotgun <laughs> in real life? Well, you know, 
My speculation, I actually have. I I did skeet shooting one summer. Yeah, it's um, uh, they, with they, a shotgun. They, they have a recoil. I mean, they push you for sure. I th- I thought. Yeah, I had a. My shoulder was purple. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm like, it wouldn't be fun <laughs> actually shooting the shotgun that much the way they, you do in this game. That's for sure. <clears throat> but yeah, um, so I mean. Gives you a good idea of what the game looked like in its like development state. It looks cool. I mean, it looks close to the final product. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so my mouse is freaking out, so I can't get back to the notes. Okay, there we go. I need to get my light gun and use that as the mouse. Oh, yeah. Um, when released on the Xbox, the game was a faithful port to the Chihiro board. The game also utilized the light gun and was the only... One of the three games on Xbox to ever use the accessory. The other two were Silent Scope Complete and Starsky and Hutch. Okay, really? Yeah, that was um, that that was a TV show, and then they did a movie version with um, who was it? Owen Wilson, right? It was him, and, and wasn't it the uh, guy from? It was basically the Zoolander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they did kind of like a wannabe comedy remake. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, and I've I've got control back, so I can keep doing the okay, notes. Uh, the bonus content, and I love this. So the bonus content For, in both the Xbox and the Wii version. So you can pick up either version to get this bonus content. The PlayStation doesn't um, have it. Well, no, it well, doesn't. PlayStation don't got nothing. No, it doesn't have the no. unlockable. No. Um, I just wanted to say that. Oh, which sucks yeah. because this bonus content. It's House of the Dead 2, which is the PC version. Like, that's cool and all. But what's really awesome is there's a connecting mini-game with new cutscenes and dialogue from the characters. And it it almost does this, like... Like, if you, you've watched our previous episodes where we talk about, like, Altered Beast or something, where at the end of the game, like, they're like, oh, it's just a movie. Mm. Or, oh, it's... um. It's like a game within a game. And here the players, the characters start talking to you. And they're like, well, that's it. Bye. And they start walking off. And they go into an elevator, a time-traveling elevator. And it starts going down these floors. And the floors are years. Like, this sounds like a dream you would have. Like, like this so dream. bizarre. Um, this sounds like something you would tell your friends at school. And they go, "You're that didn't happen. That's not in the game. You're lying. And the years go backwards, so it's 2015, 2010, 2005, 2000, and at each stop, the player will shoot hordes of creatures through the doors, and depending on their performance, they'll be rewarded with bonus items. And the mode ends with the year 2000, and it zooms open, and you see the two stars, James and Gary, of House of the Dead 2, preparing for their adventure. Very cool. Which is just insane. And so rather than talk about it anymore, let's look at it because it has to be seen to be believed. And this is from a YouTuber. What's his name? I'm gonna put, do you want me to put on mute? Is he talking over this? He, he talks at the beginning, but that's about it. But yeah, uh, so okay. you can see here. Welcome Maybe he does talk to House it. of the Dead 2. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Wait, where you go? That's pretty cool. What's and but the players actually leave you, so they don't even go with you on the elevator. You are you. There is no player you're playing as. Yeah, yeah. So you're playing as the player, like you yourself, and. I mean, that right. could that could have been interesting in a way where the shoot the gun the, there is no hero you are the hero kind of like you didn't have to have a person that you play as you know what I mean like 
when you play these games, you play as a person, right? Like even Virtual Cop, you're a cop with a name. I forget their name now, but uh, you you play as right. a person. So it's that this is kind of an interesting take. Let's be honest. Like even though it's just a bonus. Oh yeah, here it is. Look at that, and then you go right into the second game. So it's like this weird time travel elevator <laughs> like, that connects Back to the Future, but with House of the Dead. But I love how the players like you see the characters from House of the Dead Three, and they're they're just like, oh, "That was fun, bye." <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. It's and so this good. is what makes me think a House of the Dead VR game where you access like the stages through like elevators or doors would be awesome. I mean, it's here; it happened. Yeah, <sighs> and anyway. uh, what you were saying is pretty. I I remember playing something like this. I just don't. I do. I haven't played the the Wii one since the thing came out. Like, you know how hard it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you get it like this to me. Like, I was gonna play House of the Dead three before the this whole thing. We we're gonna do this whole thing, but then I have to go look for mm-hmm. my. Uh, I have to look for my PS three in storage, connected, collaborate my my move controller, check that you know right. the batteries are all done up. And it's a lot of trouble. I just wish that, you know, PS3 games could play on PS4, you know, kind of a thing. Or, like, um, we had a modern release of some of these games. Like you said, all five of them would be sick in the collection. Because, like, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. The, maybe the Switch could have a light gun and, thing. I don't know. It's so weird that there hasn't been that many light gun games on Switch, though. I think House of the Dead that's coming out soon, right? The remake might be one of the first ones, I want to say. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because House of the Dead, the original one, has never really been bundled with two or three. It really seems like two and three have been kind of connected a lot of the times um, with their releases. And so it's it's just kind of strange that one has kind of sat aside untouched for years. Two and three are their own thing. Connected four only released once. Yeah. And then five probably won't be available for a long time, if ever. Um, talking briefly about the Wii version, the booklet's really cool. It says G's Files, so it looks like a book that like G kept. I think House of the Dead Overkill does something similar with the booklet. I could be wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's just, it's kind of cool to have the two games connect, even though for House of the Dead 3 to make so many references to the first game, it just kind of sucks it's not included. Um, in 2012, as mentioned, the game did release to the PS3 mm. with the PS Move controllers, and then it released alongside House of the Dead 4, but it wasn't, it's, they weren't combined, they were separate, um, and then Overkill had a re-release too. Yeah, that was cool. So, you know, it's just, it's just kind of a shame that they keep putting effort into releasing them, but, I mean, digital only will only last so long. Um, yeah, the, the PS3 I release, the... I would say it's worth picking oh, yeah. up if you can still pick it up, uh, cause mm-hmm. that's the question we're going to ask. But like, I will say that like, they should at least re-release these two games on PS4 because like the move controllers, the same move controllers you use on the PS3 work on the PS4, right? And of course, like you could use right. the controller as well, right? But, um, and th- they're still selling VR stuff for, uh, the PS4. Oh. I do. I have. I have read that Sony's going to re-release controllers for the five, but I mean, adding a new controller option for a PS5. Like, if you once you put it on PS4, you could release it on PS5 and Xbox One and all that, because they're all basically the same. 
So I'm surprised they haven't done that, at least the old games. At least two and three, right? Or four. Three and four, at least. I'm surprised. It's crazy. Right, yeah. And I I will correct myself. House of the Dead Overkill Extended Cut on the PS3 was given a physical release. Yeah, it was. Um, it was like a yellow cover. And it's not... Yeah, it's not expensive. It's like forty bucks right now. I see it on Amazon. Wow, that's uh, a lot eBay more. eBay for thirty. I pay, I paid thirteen bucks for it. I think when I find randomly found. Well, it. yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sure if you go to GameStop, you might be able to find it cheap. But you never know if you're going to get the box. Oh yeah, uh, for it. That's the sad part about um, this isn't the end though. We do have one more thing to talk about with the House of the Dead three. Um, the House of the Dead 3 did have a typing version released, but it was ta- titled The Typing of the Dead 2. And the reason for this is that the original Typing of the Dead was using assets from The House of the Dead 2. So <laughs> it's a little confusing, but basically they skipped type. The original House of the Dead was never a typing game, so they're all one off yeah. in their numbering. Um, from then on, they used years. I think, like I mentioned, there was a Typing of the Dead 2002. Um, and then Overkill did have a typing release as well, but dropped all the numbering. Um, the game was Japan only, released to arcades and PC in 2007-2008. Um, the graphics are altered, and this time players carry around keyboard shotguns <laughs> and have Dreamcast backpacks again, which is... Funny because it's not a Dreamcast game, um, but I just we have to check out the footage because again, keyboard shotguns sounds like something you would not believe. Uh, so if you just want to boot this up here, we can take a quick look at it. Yeah, it's telling me to uh, press enter. It's loading, but um, it is a uh, int- Well, this is a Japanese one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting that like. I don't know who came up with the idea to do this at Sega. Like, oh, uh, you know the those Ligon games? Let's just make them into a typing simulator, which makes sense if you think about it, because it's already set up like a you-don't-move kind of a thing. So my thing is, right. the interesting bit is like, why didn't you do this to other uh, games? I wonder why it was just this one, you know what I mean? Like, they had, oh my god, the keyboards? That's ridiculous. They have like three keyboards. Do you see the keyboard yeah, it's like shotguns? Three of them, yeah. though. It's like they're stacked. It's like they don't have one keyboard. They yeah. have three of them. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I was gonna say. Um, it is ridiculous. But I was gonna say, like, I'm surprised they didn't do a virtual cop or a. Um, I guess those. Maybe this is their biggest hit. Maybe that's why. Like, let's be honest. All the other light gun games from Sega kind of went under the radar, compared to House of the Dead. I think this is right. the biggest legacy they have for the for their light gun games. I'm just surprised they didn't try it. That's all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, thank you to Nintendo Complete for uploading that. Um, so do you have any final thoughts on House of the Dead 3 before we close the book on this chapter in the year 2019? I think um, the House of the Dead video games sunglasses. are 100% like made to be played in October. It's 100% made to be played with friends, like, in a bar set. Like, I think the best way to play these, obviously, is in the arcade setting when you guys are all standing there, you know, having a good time. I think playing them at the home is fine. You know, they're good. But, I mean, like, especially 3 really does, I think, benefit from the shotgun accessory and all that. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. Just play them. Have fun. 
Um, they're cheesy B-type horror movies. They give you the good vibes. They're fun to play. That's it. I don't have nothing to say about these games. What about you? I couldn't... Yeah, I, th- I think you really covered it. I mean, they're a great light gun franchise. I think they're the longest running light gun franchise to my memory. I don't think Time Crisis is really a thing anymore, unfortunately. They have like a hundred of them. So we're really... They they made a lot, but it just seems like no one really talks about light gun games anymore. But then Scarlet Dawn comes out. um, And I guess what is really working for them is the scare factor. You know? People like to be scared. It's a good game i i think we in the past talked about these scary games and they said they're great because if boys play with like girls they get to like the girl gets scared and then gives them a hug remember the developer said that about one of these games? how about if i get scared and i give give the girl a hug would that be weird i mean that's weird because men do not get scared oh, that's true i've never been scared in my life that's true i forgot about that there you go that's right um so yeah, if if you support us at any tier, you get your memories read. Apparently none of you remembered this game because we only got one message from Alex Hugh, who said, I don't have any memories of this one oh, yet, great. but I did buy a copy for Xbox. Now to wait for my local game store to stuck up on original Xbox. It's always working in reverse. Uh, so he can't wait to play it. Um, yeah, so that, that just about does it. George... What's the next episode? Do you know yet? I actually, I, I was thinking about doing it, and I don't know if you guys seen my Twitter post, but I was thinking about doing it at failed Sega controllers and kind of talking more about the in-depth of the Sega controller, how it was supposed to be wireless at first, but the technology wasn't there. Some of the issues uh, modern gamers have with the controller now, and maybe kind of uh, go into the triggers, go into failed designs. There's this one that looks like a Wiimote that a lot of people have been saying Nintendo copied, so I think that might be interesting. But that's my idea right now. It might change in the future, but it might be just failed Sega controllers for the Dreamcast. I don't know how that would be an episode. When I do the notes, I'll let you guys know on Patreon. We, you guys can check us out there at patreon.com slash segabits. That's the end of the episode, so I'll see you guys next time. All right, reload. Reload. Bye. Reload. Yeah, that worked.